All right, let's pick up with a word of prayer, and we will get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us to sit quietly and listen to the Spirit speak. We thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for how you look after us as a group, and also how you look after us individually. But we just thank you again for this time, Lord, that we just set aside any issues we have in our life right now and just listen to you speak to us through your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your ongoing encouragement. And we give you praise and thanks for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. On page 2, we left off. We're going to go to Psalm 34, verses 15 through 17. Why don't you turn to that in your Bibles and we'll pick up with the lesson where we left off last time. We didn't get very far last time. A lot of good conversation. But that's all right because the ultimate goal here is for us to make sure that we are in an optimal level of communication when it comes to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. He does indeed speak to us. He does encourage us. He does hear our prayer. He does hear what we have to say. And we have, and prayers, when we learn to pray according to His will, we are performing at what I would call an optimal level of communication between ourselves and the Lord Jesus Christ. Less about us and more about him and his will in our communication with him. We already know that he wants the best for us. We already know that he cares for us. We already know these things based upon his character. It's up to us to make sure that we're doing everything we can, even in the midst of our prayer to him, is that we are dying to self and living for Christ. And that dying to self is probably the biggest stumbling block that many of us have. A lot of us have trouble with this whole idea of dying to self. Self is what we need to pay attention to where we are truly looking to him and his will and not to our own selfish desires. Psalm 34. I think Mrs. Gaines just passed around the cards, right? Three people? Oh, okay. Very good. Very good. Just making sure. I I just check with you every now and then just to make sure I'm in the right direction. Okay. Yep. Psalm 34, verses 15 through 17. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. So according to Psalm 34, verses 15 through 17, God hears what? Their cries. The righteous cries. A righteous cry, well, let's play with that for a little bit. A righteous cry is a cry that is a cry that is truly appealing to the Lord and is not something that is built on any innuendo or selfishness. Because the opposite of righteous is what? Unrighteous. So the righteous cry is a legitimate cry, concern for help, for assistance. How many of us have ever had to cry to the Lord for help? 
about something. We all have, haven't we? It's been part of who we are. We are heavily dependent upon the Lord when it comes to our own well-being. We have all had to have that type of cry. Thank you. So we recognize that and we understand that. God hears the righteous cry. Now look what it says following this on the handout. It says the righteous are those who know him and are known by him. In other words, these are appeals because we know we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our cry because we are in righteousness with him and he deems us righteous because he is the one who ultimately paid for our sin, is going to be a, a different from a cry for a person who doesn't have a relationship with the Lord and just says, Oh God! There has to be a little bit more to it than that. Now, is there a room for that person who doesn't know the Lord crying out to the Lord actually being responded to by the Lord? Absolutely. The Lord wants every person to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, including those who are not yet deemed righteous. It's up to the Spirit to save people. Amen? It's up to the Spirit to reach people. Now, this is a very important thing for us to keep in mind and remember, too. He uses us as vessels to reach people. But ultimately, the Spirit is the one who saves people and makes them righteous. Never forget that. One of the bad things that usually happens in a church sometimes is that people are not being taught properly about this whole thing about discipleship and reaching people for Christ. We are to be vessels for Jesus Christ, but it's the Spirit who saves people. It's not something we can take ownership of. You know why? Because it doesn't belong to us. It's not for us to own. It's the Spirit's responsibility. How do you feel about people who take ownership of things that basically don't belong to them? It doesn't work very well. It doesn't happen very well. But God is the one who saves. He is the one who makes us righteous. So I don't want to dwell on that too much. But he is the one who makes us righteous and we are known by him. We, the righteous are those who know him. They aren't pious and perfect. They are simply made righteous by God's grace through faith in Christ. Righteousness is not achieved through our effort. Righteousness is received when we receive Christ as Savior. There are people in your life right now who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? There are people who have their own righteousness, but it is not God's righteousness. Always keep that in mind. Until such time as we continue to, until we know the Lord ourselves and face to face and see him, we should be praying for those people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. We're praying for them to recognize God's righteousness. Note, going to church on a regular basis is not the same as coming to the cross and trusting Jesus for forgiveness and having a true relationship with him. You know, there are a lot of people who still go to church thinking that's, that's sufficient. Being around people who know the Lord, but 
they're going to wait and see what happens later, I guess. They're going to make a decision based upon, I don't know, a good vibe or a good feeling. A lot of people go to church thinking that's sufficient for them. That's like checking off a box or something. That God is going to bless them because they took the time to go to church. And I know we laugh at that, but unfortunately that's how people really think. People really do think think that way. We need to pray for people like that. Pray for them. Put simply, have you accepted Christ's gift of grace? If so, make a note of when you trusted Christ and how your relationship with him has grown. Well, now this is asking you or challenging you to go back in, in time. Like that old record used to say with the Jimmy Castor bunch. We're going to do go back. Way back. It almost sounds just like that too with the echo, doesn't it? Back in the time. Yeah, sure it is. Um, when you became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Where you were then versus where you are today. Make a personal note about that. Make a note about where you were when you became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you came to that moment where you said the cross was more important at that point than anything else in your life. I trust that you've had some improvement in your life since that time. Now, how do you measure improvement? Improvement is not measured in financial status. Improvement is not measured in social status. Improvement is in your quality of life in Christ. That is where there is improvement. Your quality of life in Christ. I was a late bloomer and I didn't get to know the Lord Jesus Christ until I turned 26 years old. And that was a moment where I said, I know I needed the Lord. I needed to change what I was doing. I needed to change my life. Make a note of when you trusted Christ and how your relationship with him has grown. Now, that's a, that's a little bit of a homework project. I know that's kind of embedded in the middle of this lesson. But you need to take the time and think about that. Think about where you've been and where you are today. How your life changed at that moment. And one thing about when you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, it didn't have to be lightning bolts going off. It didn't have to be any weird symbolism happening. It was just a matter of a change. Sometimes change is very subtle. Amen? When you look at a sunset, you see the sun going down. There's a change in the environment. There's a change in all the colors that you experience. As the seasons change, you know, we're talking about the colors of the leaves changing. It's a very subtle change. And all of a sudden, one day you wake up and say, my goodness, all the leaves are yellow and, and some of them are falling off the tree altogether. It doesn't have to be anything monumental. But you should know there's a change. There's a change in what you feel is important, what you deem is important. It's truly about dying to self and living for Christ. That's where the change is. Dying to self and living for Christ. If you can't fill in the above, this is your moment. 
God hears his righteous ones. Yet God still won't hear our prayers under some conditions. That's interesting. So the righteous are the ones that God hears and listens to, where there's a relationship in place. Well, for those who don't understand about it as being righteous, remember, the Spirit still wants to save those people, but there are certain prayers that He's not going to hear if you are not deemed righteous. Well, let's look at that a little bit. What does Psalm 66:18 say? about times God won't listen to our prayers because there are times when our prayers physically he hears us but he will not respond is the best way to put that. Let's look at what Psalm 66:18 has to say. Psalm 66:18 This is about correct teaching. We need to see that Scripture does reference how God will not respond to prayers of certain situations and certain people. Psalm 66.18 says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Bless you. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So what are we referring to here? If you cherish, take possession of, hold on to, live in such a way where you are not living for the Lord you are not going to have the same privilege that a believer has that truly is seeking the Lord. That's a mindset that we need to understand about those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me caution you, for those who do know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are holding on to sin, holding on to iniquity, holding on to those things that are not of God, you are running the risk of him not hearing you in your vain prayers. In other words, you can pretend to pray even publicly, but your vain prayers will not be responded to in the same way that a person who is truly seeking after him. This has nothing to do with losing your salvation. It has nothing to do with you know, Armenian discussion versus whatever discussion it is. It has nothing to do with that. But if you are holding on to sin, don't expect him to respond to you. Remember, he is the one who deems you righteous. You are not righteous on your own accord. You are not righteous on what you do. You are righteous only because of what he deems appropriate based upon how he died on the cross for you and paid for your sin. Just showing up in church is not going to deem you righteous. Just sitting in a pew somewhere is not going to deem you righteous. Just watching, I sit at home, I'll just watch TV and watch Charles Stanley. Well, that's not going to deem you righteous. 
I don't have to go to church. I can just watch TV and do stuff like that. That's not going to deem you righteous. Your righteousness has nothing to do with what you do. Your righteousness has everything to do with what he does for you. So Psalm 66:18 says if you cherish, if you hold on to, that's what cherishing is. You're holding on to sin in your life. Don't expect him to respond to you. If anything, he'll be chastening you. If anything, he'll be giving you signs that you need to turn from this. It's just like kids are told, don't play out in the street. Don't play out in the street. Don't play. And they don't listen. There's always a good reason to not play in the street. Amen? You don't listen. Well, when the Spirit speaks to you, are you listening? Are you listening? Go to James chapter 4. Remember, the book of James is written specifically to believers. To Christian believers. The book of James has a target audience. You know, just like on TV, they have target audiences, or radio has a target audience, a target demographic. They have a lot of programming for some radio stations is, we want to reach the demographic ages 25 to 54. It's a certain target audience that they program around. That's normal. You'll see that all the time in TV. There are certain programs on TV you watch and some programs you wouldn't, you'd stay away from. You know, you know, most of us here would not be watching Nickelodeon. Amen? Okay, yeah, it's a different target audience altogether, isn't it? Okay, so James, the book of James, is specifically targeting an audience of Christians. It's important for you to understand that when you read this next passage. It says in James 4, 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. This is why I emphasized earlier, whatever you're praying for, make sure it is not a selfish prayer. Prayers that only satisfy the flesh. There are a lot of us that have to battle with the flesh all the time. And we need to be seeking the Lord, saying, Lord, help me die to self and live for you. James is calling it out and saying, it's flat out wrong. You're asking wrongly. Spending it on your passions. Spending it on what you deem to be more important. Now, understand something. All of us should have a level of self-esteem where you are important when it comes to taking care of yourself. Amen? These are things you should be doing because you, in order for you to serve the Lord, you need to take care of yourself. You need to eat your food. You need to eat healthy food. 
You need to drink your water. Now, I'm not going to tell you to drink eight glasses a day. If you're drinking eight glasses of water a day like they used to tell you, you'd be going to the bathroom all the time. You won't be doing anything for anybody else but just going to the bathroom. But you need to take care of yourself. You should drink water so that you don't get dehydrated. That in self-esteem is very important. Where it goes too far is when now you're looking at satisfying passions or things that are in your life that frankly take you away from or off the focus of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with loving to collect cars, for example. If you're a car collector and you enjoy doing that, that's great. As long as it isn't taking away from your attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. I just, kink car collector just shot up in my head. It was not... Just thought about that for whatever reason. But if you have a hobby, if there are things you enjoy doing, it's great. Because that's who you are. That's who you're wired to be. But if it takes you away from those things that keep you from serving the Lord Jesus Christ, that's when it becomes a problem. So you have to make a distinction as to what is important to you, but what is important for him. Because that's two different things. That's two different things. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. When we pray selfishly, when we pray essentially incorrectly, we're not going to hear anything. And you shouldn't expect to. You know, the, the example we've given a lot to is, Lord, I want a million dollars. Well, who wouldn't? But that's not how the Lord operates. He's not a genie. We have had to graduate. If there hasn't been any other improvement in your life since you became a, Lord, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you realize the Lord you, you serve is a sovereign God, a God who is not a genie, a God who does not answer every prayer that you have, and rightfully so, and for your own good. Because sometimes you pray for stuff you don't know what you're praying for. And you don't want him to answer that prayer. You know, these people who have gotten, Lord, I want a million dollars, make me rich. Well, the Lord has made some of them rich for a hot second. But what comes with that responsibility? Can't handle it. Some folks can't handle it. Do you know the guy? It just made me think of the guy. Oh, you had a question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. That's right. Got it all at the same time, right? Remember the press your luck scandal? Does anybody know what that is? The press your luck scandal? It's a game show. This was not that far ago, that long ago, but there was a guy who was always looking to scheme. He was a schemer. Michael Larson is his name. Look it up. You can just Google it. You'll find it. 
Michael Larson was one of those kind of guys that was always a schemer and a dreamer. He did not have anything going on except his own selfishness and fleshly desires. Michael Larson was trying to look as a way to get rich quick. That's what he did. He was looking at the game, different game shows and settled on Pressure Luck. Pressure Luck, back in the day, it was back in the 80s, right? It was an 80s game show. It was on for like three seasons. He figured out there was a pattern on the board. See, some people actually know what I'm talking about. There was a pattern on the board that would come up a certain way, and whenever it came up a certain pattern, it would land on the high money spot and earn additional spins. And that's what he did. And he was able to avoid, you know, the, the whammy, whatever it is. That, that's right. Okay, so this, this guy spent all of his time. Now, understand something. He spent a lot of time on TV watching videotapes of this game and learned the pattern. He was able to get on the game show and won $127,000. The show was so long, it took two episodes to cover it. And all it was about was him memorizing this pattern. And he, you know, he won the game. That's by far the largest amount of money that was given away. And back at that time, $127,000 back in the 80s was worth today like three hundred. Darn near $400,000 in today's money. Well, after a lot of suspicion, CBS had to pay him the money because they were, they were concerned. He never broke the rules, though. There was a, they changed the pattern after that, though, I'll bet you. 127000 dollars You know what this guy did? He took that money, took it home, got, and, and got involved in other stuff where he lost money, but he used to brag about it. He got robbed of half of the money. Somebody broke in his house and took it. He was, he was completely devoid of any responsibility outside of himself. And when you're a schemer and you're a dreamer, you're going to lose whatever you think you're going to obtain. Guy wound up dying in Florida at an early age of cancer. He barely made out his 40s. I think he was in his 40s. He's a sad story, but it's a story as a lesson or an example for a lot of us if we look at that, and maybe they'll air that special again on TV and you can take a look at it. But it's an example to all of us that if we are praying selfishly, if we are not looking to the Lord, you're going to get your reward. But it's not going to be a reward that is going to survive mothballs in heaven. We need to understand that. We need to understand that's where we are. If we're praying wrongly, if we're looking to the Lord wrongly, if we're thinking that we're going to achieve something out of our own flesh, you'll get your reward, but it won't be the reward that we talk about when it comes to an eternal reward. Don't make this into a test God grades to see if we pass. God wants to hear our prayers because he loves us. But because he loves us, he will not reward actions based on malice in our hearts or selfishness in our desires. When we come to God with a pure heart, right motives, and pray according to his will as one of his righteous ones, he hears us. So now we have a condition to prayer. It's a conditional statement. 
Read that sentence again, the last sentence. When we come to God with a pure heart, right motives, and pray according to His will as one of His righteous ones, He hears us. So now we've built upon what we've understood now in this study about does God hear our prayer? Yes, He hears our prayer if we are deemed righteous. We need to be deemed righteous. We need to be praying with a pure heart, right motives, and pray according to His will. Now, how do you get this pure heart? Ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. Start out with that. When you're praying and you know you've sinned, you've got something to fix. And some of us have to fix it every day because we operate in the flesh. Not a put down, it's just the reality. We are in a fleshly driven world. We are in the flesh. We're in the world. We are surrounded by stuff that appeals to our fleshliness. And that's why the world thinks we are weird for even being here right now. Man, y'all could be sleeping. Y'all could be resting. Y'all could be going fishing. The world thinks we're weird because we're here right now. Talking about those things of Jesus. And that's fine. I'd rather be weird. Just like that. Amen? Amen? You're going to find no better example of praying with right motives than Jesus himself. If Jesus didn't do anything else other than show us how to pray, that would have been cool too. Because he did show us how to pray. He did give us information about how to pray. Come and join him in the Garden of Gethsemane. What does Jesus pray in Mark 14.35? Let's go to Mark 14.35. Well, let's start with... Let's go back to verse 32. Mark 14.32. Now remember... He's showing you that he is God and he is human. And this is something we can't take an attribute of. He was 100% God and 100% human. And what you're seeing here in this passage is this 100% humanity. Which is showing you that you have a God that you are serving and seeking who is just like you. Knows just what you're going through. Knows exactly what you're experiencing in the flesh. Verse 32. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. 
And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. Now, before we even get to the passage, you see his state of mind. You see his state of mind. He knows what he has to do. He knows what he's got to go through. He understands what that means. How many of you would voluntarily allow yourself to be nailed to a cross knowing that that means death? not for everyone, is it? Let's just leave it there. It's not for everyone. But this is exactly what he's going through. He is thinking about what's going to happen because he knows what's going to happen. Now look at verse 35. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Now, Before his crucifixion, Jesus prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Now let me ask you a question. Was it possible? Was it possible? Say it again. a good answer. Say it again. It's possible. The correct answer is yes, it was possible. Because we go back to with God, all things are possible. So we've got scripture that even Jesus said himself. Of course it was possible. Now, let's continue because that's true. We know in our own lives and how we've lived our lives that all things are possible because stuff happens in our life. We can't explain it. We have no other explanation to say it was Jesus Christ that did it. Amen? We know that all things are possible through God. He's not going to contradict himself. Don't get caught up in that. He will not contradict himself. But remember now, we're still operating with a very important factor here, his will. His will. Look at Mark 14, 36. Look what it says. He answers the question right here in verse 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. That's just what Mary said. I don't know if Mary read ahead or not, but that's exactly what, that's what it says. All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus knows what God's will is. He already knows what his will is. He already knows what is in front of him. He already knows what's happening here. Now remember, in the flesh... You pray for a good outcome. Usually it's a good outcome for you. Amen? No, you want a good outcome. You want something to be good for you. That's what we need to understand here. 
interestingly, you could have answered either way. That question, was it possible? Well, you could have. But we're going by what Scripture is saying, aren't we? Jesus knew it was possible because with God all things were possible. Jesus also knew his mission was to give his life as a ransom for us sinners. Go back to Mark chapter 10. He already knew what he was sent to do. He already knew what he was going to do. Mark 10, 45. So we can't even make any kind of claim that Jesus didn't know what he was getting into. He absolutely did know what he was getting into. He knew what he was doing. He knew why he was there. He knew why he was born in the first place on earth. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Yeah. He was te- as a teachable moment. He was teaching you, you're not there to be served, but to serve. Jesus knew that he was created to be on earth for one thing, to serve us. And give his life as a ransom for many. That's the second bell, isn't it? Yeah, man. Okay. Well, we'll stop there because we'll pick up next week with that. And you can look ahead and look at what it says. Jesus knew the Father's will, yet he asked anyway. What are your thoughts on what Jesus did? That might be a good thing to start jotting down some notes for next week. So let's keep that in mind as we have this conversation. We know that God hears our prayer. Is that the extra bell? Whew. I thought she was telling me that that's a knock it off. That's enough. That's the end of this. Um, this is going to be good discussion next week. Yeah, you don't want to miss it because we're going to have a really good deep discussion about this aspect of what Jesus did and why he did it and how he did it. And he knows the Father's will, but he asked that prayer anyway. So let's leave it there and reflect upon that, but reflect upon the most important thing about our prayers. Our prayers are prayers that will be heard by God based upon conditions, being righteous, righteousness. Motivation is pure, pure heart, right motivation, unselfish. God will hear us. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to hear you speak to us through your word. We thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for how much you love us, how much you care for us, how you truly want us to seek after you, and you respond and affirm us with that activity. We thank you for that, Lord. Bless us and keep us now, Lord. We pray for the upcoming message and the speaker. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. We'll see you next time.